This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got the honor to interview uh, Pat Dossett. Pat, how you doing? Doing great, Brett. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you. You uh, you probably know what this here looks like. You know, you got my I got my water bottle. Yours, Andy. <laughs> Love it. I do. Right here. I've got my, <laughs> my box here. This is not a paid promotion. I promise. Uh, made for the box. <laughs> uh, so you are the co-founder and CEO of Made for, which we'll talk uh, talk about in a little bit. You are a husband, you are a father, and you are a veteran. You served our country, so thank you very much for your service. And uh, really excited to have you today and your messaging. So, uh, so thanks for being with us. Thanks. Yeah, excited, excited to be here, and um, just excited for the invite. I know you know your mission that they're the, you know to build a future greater than our past aligns very much with what we're doing at Made for and what we believe that a better world starts with the best you. And so, um, yeah, happy to be here and kind of dive in on all the things. Well, I got uh, turned on to you, I guess, through Blake McCoskey, who was the founder of Tom Shoes. Uh, if anybody knows that story, what an unbelievable message. Um, but he, he started talking about this made for thing on maybe Instagram or something like that and got turned on to you. And then I got turned on to made for and I said, you know what, I'm going to sign up for this thing, man. It's a 10 month program. And again, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But but uh, I, I just think it's amazing what you guys are doing. But but before we get there, you know, again, you were a Navy SEAL. And then before that, you were you were Pat, the kid from wherever you grew up in Texas, I believe. Right. Yeah. And so maybe what's uh, what's helped you make you the man you are today? Oh, wow. Um, I man, that's such a great question. I you know, I am a product of my environments and just so many different people that um, have influenced me over the course of my life. Um, you know, from my parents, my mom, you know, had me at a very young age, uh, put herself uh, as a single mother through college and then through medical school. Um, and is just, you know, has a level of grit and tenacity that to me seems unrivaled. And so seeing her example firsthand, um, my, um, my stepfather, who uh, I consider my father, who I you know, grew up with, uh, always told me, look, 99% of the decisions you face in life um, come down to two options, an easy option and a hard option. And he said, if you just do the hard thing, uh, generally that's the right thing and everything else will work, work out. And so he, he was always beating that drum inside my head. And I think I internalized that to such a degree that when I read a book about the SEAL teams, I was like, well, that sounds like the hardest thing. Um, let's go do that. And so I, I got fixated at a very young age on um, pursuing a path towards, towards being in the SEAL teams and serving there. And, and, you know, that, that made it very easy for me to decide what to do. I also had the, the benefit of, I went to a, a Jesuit high school in Dallas, Texas. Um, and at Jesuit, this, there's this recurring theme of serve something greater than yourself. 
right? That you're always thinking about what's the bigger thing that you're serving, whether it's your, your, your fellow, you know, brothers at Jesuit or a larger community, or it can be a faith-based thing, or it can be just something greater. And I think that theme really is something that I internalized. And I didn't, I didn't realize how much I'd internalized until I got further and further from that experience, but I've just grown so much more appreciative of that over time, you know? So I would say those are, those have been some of the formative things for me, you know, obviously, going to the Naval Academy where service and leadership are top of mind. And you're always talking about responsibility and learning not only the science of leadership, but also some of the art of leadership. And then really um, pressure testing all of that in, inside the SEAL teams and, um, you know, working with some of the most professional, humble, quiet people that can push their bodies and their minds um, to the limits in service of, you know, really hard missions or in service of things that are, are greater themselves. All of these things kind of mix together to, to help inform how I try to navigate my life. And I, I would say that I am by no means an example, like I fall short every day, but I have had the benefit of some really formative experiences and been around some really amazing people that have helped inform how I try to, to show up every day. So, so what made you want to be a SEAL? Because, I mean, you could be at the Naval Academy, but you don't have to be the SEAL. Right? So, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. That level. Well, you know, look, everyone goes to the, the Academy in the military for a whole bunch of different reasons. And, and there's no, like, one's better than the other. It's just some people really want to be on submarines and some people want to fly and some people want to serve in the Marine Corps. And I think every everything that you do in service when wearing the uniform um, matters is important. And so I was just fortunate enough when I was in seventh grade, I read a book called Rogue Warrior by this gentleman named Dick Marcinko, who is a really famous uh, inside our community, um, a famous seal. And um, I just, I don't know. I just read, I read it. And right away I was, I thought, this sounds like the hardest thing you can do. It sounds exciting. It sounds important. Um, and I want to see if I can do it. I want to see, you know, if I can pursue that. And so when I finished football, my senior year in high school, I think I weighed 233 pounds. I was a, always a bigger kid. Um, and I stopped lifting weights. I started running and swimming and doing push-ups and trying to figure out how to do a pull-up for the first time. And by the time I got to the Naval Academy, I weighed 193 pounds and, and I was off and that just became my sole focus. And so for four years at the Academy, every day I woke up thinking, what do I need to do to get one of these slots to SEAL training upon graduation? Because you have to compete for slots out of the Academy. And um, I was just, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to get one of those spots. I think it was a lot of hard work, but also a lot of luck that was involved. So. So how much of SEAL training, we've all heard, you know, about Hell Week and all the things that go along with it. Right. And, and talk as much as little as you want about some mm -hmm. of that stuff, but how, how much of it is physical versus mental? Do you believe? Yeah, everyone shows up being able to meet the baseline physical requirements, right? So you have, you have to run a certain distance in a certain amount of time. You have to be, to be able to do a number of push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups. You have to be able to swim. But these are all very low standards, and they're low for a reason. Um, the physical is less important than the mental, right? So everyone shows up to SEAL training and everyone is reasonably fit. They jump through a number of hurdles or hoops to get to that point in time. They've, they've sacrificed some level of personal comfort to be able to have a spot, to earn a spot to start SEAL training. 
Um, but when you're going through training, you quickly learn that, wow, they're going to teach me how to swim. They're going to teach me how to, how to do the obstacle course. They're going to teach me how to run. They're going to teach me this, this approach of crawl, walk, run across a variety of disciplines. Um, and, and as long as I can keep up with, um, you know, in all these different areas, then like, I'm going to make it. And really, you know, most of the attrition inside SEAL training you know, I would say 95% of the SEAL, SEAL attrition or the training of um, the attrition of candidates going through SEAL training occurs because people decide they don't want to do it anymore. Not because they're broken or because they can't make the times or because they're having a performance issue. It's because they decide, hey, I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be tired. I don't want to be wet. I don't want to do this physical thing anymore. And that's really where it becomes, hey, this is much more about the mental than it is about the physical because, you know, my SEAL training class, we started with 220 people approximately. That class went on to graduate 17 original students. And we went into Hell Week with 150. We came out with 36. Um, what you would find surprising about that is those 17 people that were left standing there at the end of SEAL training were rather unremarkable. You wouldn't have been able to pick them out from a lineup. And in fact, all of the biggest, fastest, strongest people, those most endowed with you know, natural gifts and abilities were some of the first to quit and decide that it wasn't for them. And what you were left with, again, was a, a group of rather you know, ordinary looking individuals that did some fundamental things really, really well. So- it is amazing. I've got some buddies that are SEALs and it's like, you look at them and that's what, you know, other people that find out they're a SEAL, like, dude, I would have no idea that guy was doing what he's doing. And, you know, I love the, some of the comments too, is they, you know, they'd say is we're the guys that when the other military guys wake up in the morning and they know stuff's happened, that's because we were there and we're in and out <laughs> and nobody even knows it. Right. That's the plan. As long as it goes as planned. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always, it's always the hope and the plan and that you want to, you know, I think SEALs do a really good job of stacking the deck in our favor. And so we want to take every tactical advantage that we can, and we want to ensure the outcome and that we're going to have the you know successful outcome that we want for admission, for training, for whatever that is. And, and we do the work to, to ensure that that, that, that happens. Um, but again, look, I don't think SEALs are any better than Rangers, any better than Green Berets, any better than any of these other units that are out there. Everyone's got a role and uh, an area of focus that, that they do a really great job on. So, um, so you took that being a SEAL, you took it to the Wharton School of Business, right? Then you took it to Google for a while. Now you've mm -hmm. taken it here uh, as a co-founder and CEO of Made For. What are some of the things that is, is the guy or gal that's driving down the road right now and they're listening to this and they're thinking, okay, what, what can I apply from what Pat's saying here? What did you learn as a Navy SEAL that you can now apply to what I like to call the boardroom, right? In the business room. Yeah, I think that um, there's a lot to apply, but I would say that we get caught in this I'll say we, I, I sometimes have been caught in the past of this thinking that I need to take giant leaps to work, to get to where I want to go. Like, all right, I want to go to Wharton School of Business. I need to figure out like, what's that one big lever that I can pull that's going to catapult me up into Wharton or um, I want to be a SEAL. So I need to figure out like, what's that one secret sauce, that edge that all SEALs have that I can grab and that make sure that, all right, I've got it too and that I'll be successful in SEAL training. Um, and so I think there's this, this natural, um, this natural way of thinking that we're like, we're always looking for these, 
these hacks or these these like the these these things that allow us to accelerate progress. Um, and in reality, it's small effort over time sets us up to where we cultivate the habits and the mindset and the ability to almost live excellent, right? To, to, to be excellent and put us on a path where the outcomes take care of themselves. And so maybe the, a simpler way of saying it is like focus on the process, not on the outcomes, like the outcomes take care of themselves. But what, you know, if you have any big goal, whatever it is, if you want to be more present with your family, if you want to start a successful business, if you want to, you know, get into a graduate program, like what are you going to do today? And maybe today is too big. What are you going to do this morning? What's a small step that you're going to take that's going to put you on the path that is ultimately going to lead to the outcome that you want? That's what I would think about. Um, there was, you know, I interrupt my, on that. I oh yeah, please. Times that we we do focus on that end goal, right? And so many times, people at the end of the year now, you hear people, "Oh, my year end goal is X," and it's like I think they're missing the point that it's in my opinion, it should be a lifestyle deal, right? Not just, Oh, it's December, you know, starting tomorrow. So therefore we should have our year end goal that we got to hit. It's great to have goals. I'm not saying that we have goals. We do it every day in our wealth management advising and visionary wealth advisors, but at the same time, right. You got to focus on that lifestyle change. And so wouldn't you agree that you're, or maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, but do you have that daily habit, that daily ritual that, you know, without fail, if I do this every single day, I'm going to hit my end up goal anyway. I think that um, that daily habit of that ritual is a, is a mindset that um, certainly worked a lot on in my time in the SEAL teams, but I, I think it's a mindset that I've cultivated over, you know, days and months and years of very unsexy effort, but it's this idea that um, today I want to be better and I want to find small ways that I can step closer towards um, that person or that thing that I want to be. Right. Um, and so it's just being present and attuned to what are this, you know, what are this, the small opportunities throughout my day? How can I engage them in such a way that puts me closer to where I want to be um, and where I want to be that changes, right? My, I start taking steps and all of a sudden I realize, well, the goal I set for myself or the outcome I'd hoped for wasn't the right outcome or, you know, wasn't the right goal. And so that, that changes over time, but I find that it's so easy to get, um, to allow something big and audacious, a big goal or a big uh, mission that we want to achieve that the, the size of it can prohibit us from taking any effort or exerting, you know, taking one, you know, even the smallest of steps. And so if we could just, you know, think about, all right, directionally, where do we want to head? What's that mission? What's that big goal? It's important to us. And then almost like set it on the shelf and then think about, all right, how do I want to show up today? Because our days are filled with opportunities to move closer towards these things that we want or that matter to us. Yeah. And that habit building is crucial in that. And so I think that's what I love about made for is, is, you know, it's a three-week program that allows me to stay focused on getting more hydrated. You know, those are little mm. things. And I think we were talking about this before we recorded that a lot of people, we want that magic sauce, that magic thing that nobody knows about. It's a secret. And that's what's going to help me be successful. But yet, and I see it time and time again from this podcast and dealing with people that we work with every day, it's just the little things done right and done daily that add up to massive success. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's it. And you know, Dr. Andrew Huberman, or um, the, the the gentleman that runs our advisory board, scientific advisory board, it made for. He's a neuro, neuroscientist out of Stanford, and he likes he likes to talk about um, 
this phenomenon of neuroplasticity that we can rewire our brain over the entire course of our lives, right? And if you use the brain as a proxy for a mindset or habits or certain behaviors that we're trying to cultivate, Andrew says there's really two ways to do this. One is through a short, intense experience. Maybe it's, they can be, they can be good or they can be bad. Maybe it's a car accident. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Maybe it's uh, the birth of a child. They're getting married. Like, but those are peak experiences. And by definition, they're the exception. They're not the norm. And so the rest of your life is filled with all of this other time. And this is where Andrew says, by, by engaging in small purposeful efforts over time, you actually start to rewire your brain and you can incorporate these mindsets or incorporate habits in such a way that your reflexive self becomes your best self. You're just moving through your day differently. Your default is um, a mindset that engages friction differently or you engage a global pandemic. You view it as an opportunity to again, achieve something different than you otherwise might have, or you view it as um yeah, I don't know. So I think it's there's something to be said for cultivating these mindsets, cultivating habits, but ultimately the, you have the answers on the inside. It's all in you and you have to exert a little bit of effort to, to unlock that. Yeah. So when you hear me talk about growth mindset, what, what do you, what comes to mind when you hear those words, growth mindset? Yeah, I, this is, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And, um, when I hear the term growth mindset, so coined, uh, a term coined out of Stanford by a, a, a woman named uh, Dr. Carol Dweck, um, but really growth mindset is, oh yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal book. And just, she continues to put out a lot of uh, trying to do something new. We're stepping out of our comfort zone. This idea of growth mindset is, is really that when you're experiencing uh, friction, when you're doing something, um, that that friction is a sign of you're progressing, you're making, um, you're making progress towards your goals. That's what it feels like to get better and that you enjoy that sensation. And if you can cultivate a growth mindset, um, <clears throat> you really can achieve anything. Like there's nothing that is, is without, outside of your reach, which I think it's, it's really powerful. How do you think you cultivate that though? So, I mean, I think a lot of people listening to podcasts, you probably have somewhat of a, a growth mindset or you wouldn't be listening to podcasts. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe you're searching for one, but how do you take it to that next step, right? Not just being okay with being, pick a number, right? If it's a scale of one to 10 and you're a, at a seven, well, how do you get to an eight and then a nine and eventually to a 10 and beyond? And that scale gets bigger and bigger and bigger. How do you do that? I think you have to do that through effort and um, awareness of the effect that your effort is having on you and, and, and your progress, you're progressing towards your goals. Um, I don't think there's any other way around it, right? We can, we can consume as many podcasts as we want. We can read books, we can do whatever. And it's, it's easy to get, to get stuck in this, and this idea that I just need to learn more. I need to like learn one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. And in actuality, I think at some point information becomes um, a prohibiting factor, right? It's just like, let's just take action. Let's start doing something. And in doing it, whether it's into a small effort or medium or a big effort, um, you start to understand, all right, I'm outside my comfort zone. Here's I'm responding. Remind yourself that that discomfort, again, is not a sign that you're not able to do this. This is what it feels like to get better in this. And so pick a domain. It could be work-related. It could be family-related. It could be faith, you know, um, 
general interest, whatever that thing is, and then just start engaging in effort on that and recognize when you're engaging in effort and you're experiencing that friction, just bring some awareness to what's going on and seeing how um, you're making progress. So that's certainly what the made for program uh, in large part is designed around is this small purposeful efforts over time. We do it over a 10 month period of time um, and each small step, while it might not seem significant or that great, in aggregate, these steps build to a place where we are helping you forge a more resilient mindset. We are helping you change your habits in enduring ways and ultimately step into your life more fully. So, so let's talk about Made For for a minute here. And it's, uh, when I was doing my research, I found how this was created. You guys were on a surf trip, uh, I believe, right, with Blake Mikoski and for yeah. those that don't know, again, I mentioned earlier, Blake Mikoski is the co-founder with Pat for uh, Made For, and he's got an unbelievable story himself and, uh, and, and just, you know, building the, the brand Tom's Shoes and some other things. So um, just amazing work that he's done and now you guys together. But anyway, long story short, you guys are on a surf trip and then I'll let you finish the story from there. Yeah, we were on a surf trip. So this was, this was the very start of Made For. Um, and so much as there's a start, we're on a surf trip and, and Blake asked a question to a group of, uh, to our group of friends. Uh, he said, you know, if you could work on anything and, and money was not a factor, you could just work on a passion project, what would you want to work on? And so we went around the table and, and when it got to me, I said that, honestly, I would love to work on something in this area of human performance and human potential of helping people be better or bring their best to um, to the world because I think it matters. I think it's interesting and, and it, it brought together a lot of what I experienced in the SEAL teams and then some stuff that I did in, in um, during my master's program that um, I just thought there's a cool opportunity here. I had no idea what form it would take or you know what it would end up becoming, but shortly after that trip, Blake reached out and said, "Hey." I I don't know what this looks like, but as soon as you were saying that, I was like, I'm all in, I wanna work on it, let's do it. So uh, a couple of weeks later, we got together and did some initial ideation sessions. And then ultimately we ended up with, um, we, we aligned really on a mission and that we, we fundamentally agreed and believed that if we can help individuals be better or show up better in their lives at that, would make the world a better place. And so that's where we started. And then uh, over time we brought on Dr. Huberman and, you know, Dr. John Rady and um, uh, just a whole number, uh, Roy Cordial, Sam Hattar, uh, Evelyn Triboli, Ruth Banka, a whole bunch of different advisors that really helped us make sure that the science and the way that we were structuring and designing the program was not only doable, was, but it was also effective and fun, so. Amazing. Yeah. So cool. I mean, I just, I mean, a lot of questions there, but you think about, you know, you, you're on this guy's trip and you're having dinner, whatever you're doing. And, and to think you make a statement, did you actually believe that that, that, that thought and that dream would ever actually happen? Um, that made four would exist. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it was in your brain at that time, right? It probably wasn't even called made for then. It was just this human performance thing, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, I knew that, um, I was headed in this direction, but I didn't know what form it would take. And I didn't know who I would do it with. And I think to back up even further, and I think this is really cool. Like you never know what you might say to someone that's going to change the trajectory of their life or that's going to make such profound impact on them. And so when I was a student at the Naval Academy, Every month we would have these um, brigade-wide uh, lectures called Forrestal lectures. They'd bring everyone in to, uh, to our basketball 
arena and all 4,000 midshipmen would sit down and they'd bring a special guest speaker and the speakers ranged from heads of state to, you know, dignitaries to, you know, just a whole bunch of really famous, important, I guess, um, and inspiring people. But of all the people that spoke, I only remember one thing from one talk. That's the only one I can remember. I know that there were, there, again, there were a lot of leaders, a lot of impressive people, but I don't remember any of them. I just remember one thing that one person said, and his name was uh, Dr. Bernard Hopkins. He, he was the first African-American to do a uh, spacewalk in outer space. Wow. And he gave this long talk, um, but at one point in the talk, he said, you know, the word that I hate more than anything else is when someone tells me that I have potential. Because if someone tells me I have potential, it means that I haven't done everything with what I've been given. And he said, that, that gets me going unlike anything else. And for whatever reason, that stuck with me and nothing else from any of those lectures stuck with me, but, but that one thing stuck with me. And like, I've always looked at things in this lens of like potential and like, how can you help unlock potential or how can I unlock my own potential? And yeah, so sure enough, you know, fast forward a number of years, we're on this boat having this conversation and that's what came to mind. I was like, wow, well, he was talking about potential of entering in the space. And so here we are. Yeah. And you don't want to die with potential. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, we're not robots, right? We are, we're human and like humans and life gets a vote and it's going to knock us off track. And like, we're all just doing our best every day. Um, but ideally, you know, we can look back on our lives or even look back on our days or weeks or months and, and say like, yeah, like that was a worthwhile effort. Like I, the things that I cared about, I took steps closer towards over that period of time. And again, like I'm a, I'm a fairly new dad. I've got 16 month old twin girls at home. My wife's pregnant. We have another baby due in April. I've got this startup. Um, I've got a bunch of, you know, friends that I care a lot about and family that I care a lot about. And every day I'm trying to think like, well, how can I show up for our members at made for, how can I show up and be present for my daughters and for my wife, all these roles that I fill. Um, and there's, there's no shortage of competition for the limited time that we have, but, um, can I be present and aware to what are the small things I'm doing throughout my day that allow me to move the needle on the things I care about? you know, that, that makes a big difference for me. So I'm reading in uh, you being from Texas originally, Matthew McConaughey, he's a Texas boy. So uh, uh, you, you probably know Matthew McConaughey. No? I, I, do, I don't, I don't know Matthew. I know Blake and uh, Matthew, I think have a friendly feud going on uh, dates back a number of years. So okay. and they were both in Austin, but um, yeah, I've heard good things about his book. <laughs> his book's phenomenal, man. But he said in there and it just, when you said something made me think of it, he said, you know, every night we go to bed with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you lay there at night. And, and so that'd be one of my questions, right? For you is like, so what do you worry about? Like, what are the things that are in your mind? Cause we can act like we all have these positive thoughts and we're journaling and we're doing this and we're drinking the right amount of water and we're having gratitude. But at the end of the day, there's still you in your mind. Right. And so what are those things that consumes your thinking? And then how do you get through those? Mm. Man. I mean, look, we, we have a small, team at made for um and there's so much uncertainty that we face every day and you know month to month of just the challenges of of running a startup especially with covid and just with everything going on that i what keeps me awake or what i you know 
what occupy, occupies my headspace is making sure that I'm giving that team enough, that I'm serving them, uh, and that I'm setting them up to be successful, uh, because ultimately that means that our members are better off and that we're able to grow this business. Um, so that that occupies my mind. Um, same for my family, right? I, you know, my, my wife and I take our girls for a walk every morning. We go for an hour walk. Uh, and then every night I help put the girls to bed. Um, so for our last, you know, hour of their, of their night, we're all together. Um, and I just recognize, I see how much they change in such a short period of time. And it's certainly one of the benefits of COVID is that I've been stuck working from home. Um, but through that, I recognize that there's no substitute for presence, right? Just being there with my daughters and seeing how we're connected, um, connecting is, is really powerful, but I also see how fast they're changing. And so I don't want to look back six months from now or, you know, six years from now and think like, man, I really missed out on that opportunity because it's fleeting, right? These are, these are precious moments. And same with my, my made for team. I don't want to miss out on an opportunity to serve them and set us up for success for my family, um, for my friends. So that's, those are the things that I think about, but again, I try to every day, make sure that I'm taking small steps towards each of those ends um, so that I don't, I don't find myself, getting swept up by just the inertia of the day and, and, yeah. and looking down at some point and recognize like, man, I've gone way off track or I'm so far from where I want to be or from what I say is important. Um, I'm actually, you know, trying to, to live it on a daily basis. And again, I don't get it right every day, but that's what I think about. Well, I think it's important when you're talking about it. So I've got a 15, 13, 10 and six year old, all boys. And, and it's, it is this, this COVID world has, is just obviously it's crazy and so many bad things have happened, but the silver lining in that is, being more at home with them, right? Doing dinners every single night, not running all these different directions. But I found myself yesterday, I was out and we have some land and we were out riding four wheelers, my six-year-old and I, he's on one, I'm on the other. And I, I just, I don't know, this overwhelming feeling hit me of like, you know what, just stop riding me, right? And watch him, like his face, right? He's lit up, smiling ear to ear, like it's the greatest thing he's ever done. And I sat there in that moment and I watched him ride that four-wheeler. Because to your point, they change so quickly. Mm. Right. And I'm like, just take that in. And I think it's so hard for us in this world that we live in with notifications on our phones and emails and this and that and the other is to slow down and be in the moment. So, I mean, what advice would you have for our listeners right now to kind of what I was talking about yesterday, be in that moment, see that smile on the four wheeler and be there and be present. Mm. Yeah. I mean, our, our attention is, is literally our most precious resource, Right. And, um, and it's not time, it's our attention because an hour can, fe can feel like a second or an hour can feel like an eternity um, depending upon how we're you know, directing our attention. And so um, that's, it's tough. I think you know, it's something that our, our members work on every day and, and definitely a through line through our program. Um, I, you know, what, I would, what I would offer to people is, you know, before you're under any kind of pressure, before, you know, your day gets away from you or before the week gets away from you or you're having to jump into your email and your, you know, your work or whatever, before, before you have to be pressure tested by life, just think about what are the three things that I care most about? Like, what are the, you know, what are those three things that maybe it's, you know, my children, maybe it's my wife, maybe it's my team, maybe it's, I don't know, 
make, pick three things, pick two things, pick one thing, and then find some opportunity throughout the day to do, be fully present and aware of that. Turn off your devices, just be fully present for that and see what comes from that. And then, and then, you know, obviously at, at Made4, we talk about this attention, reward, reinforcement, and we leverage journaling as a way to reinforce these, these small moments of time or these small, you know, benefits from the effort that we exert. Um, maybe reflect back on it or share that, you know, share that with your wife or share that with your partner. Um, again, I just, I can't overstate how powerful these small moments of time can be. And even if it's just five minutes a present with your kid, like letting them do whatever it is they're doing or watching them on a dirt bike. And you're not, you're not in your own head. You're not in your own device. You're not directing your attention across a bunch of different things, but you're just solely focused on them. The rewards are there. Like you're going to feel it. It's like, all right, man, this is awesome. Like I want more of that. So. Well, you're right. Um, I mean, I felt it last night, just like even in bedtime and being more patient and all that stuff. And, and it's uh, so it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I think it's that reminder when you can slow down, to speed up, right? Slow down yeah. in the morning time. And, and I got away from it. I have this thing called focus 90 where I take the first 90 minutes of every day and I've got my five things that I've got to do to win my day. And if I can win that 90 minutes, I know I'll win the rest of the day. And when I've recommitted and gotten back to that, because again, this crazy COVID world, right. Kind of knocks you off your horse a little bit. I've noticed I can be more present in moments like, like yesterday. Mm -hmm. yes, yeah. It's really, really powerful. No, I, I just, I, um, I think that having a routine or having something, figuring out what works for you, if it's 90 minutes to start your day or whatever that thing is, figure out what works for you and then do it. Um, and then be ready when that thing stops working and, and try to figure out what works next. I just, I feel like oftentimes these conversations lead back towards, you know, uh, purpose or family, or, you know, we talk about gratitude and these things can feel very soft for people. And I think especially business-minded people who we, we, we exist in these cultures of performance and almost survival in some respects. Um, but I would say that everything that we're talking about is effective across all these domains that you operate in life. And so, you know, I always say that where SEALs really thrive and the thing that makes SEALs exceptional is that they figure out how to be relevant in any environment. Doesn't matter if it's the air, if it's the water, if it's land, deserts, mountains, like working out of embassies, it doesn't matter. A SEAL will understand, will be present into an environment and figure out, all right, what's within my control? What's not within my control? What do I hope to achieve? And then figure out how to be relevant and effective in that, in, in navigating that environment. And I think, you know, what we're talking about with attention and being present and being there with your kids, that same thing, that same skill that you're working on there is also the same skill that you would want to bring to bear when you're in a meeting or when you're trying to figure out like what direction is my business headed or where do I want to allocate my time most effectively? That attention and awareness and presence is the thing that allows you to be effective, right? doesn't matter what you're doing. So, so what's one exercise you could share that people that, you know, that if, if we just took that exercise out of your life, you would not be where you're at today. Is there anything you can share? That's just a kind of a takeaway little nugget for people. Oh, for something that I have, I mean, I have to, yeah, I mean, I have to move my body every day uh, or my, my brain doesn't work. And I, I don't know if that is, I mean, John Rady, 
one of our advisors, he's written a few books on this topic, Spark and Go Wild, uh, that are, are fascinating. If you haven't had a chance to, to check those out, they're definitely worthwhile. But um, where he, he talks about how movement and exercise is so good for the brain and just sets us up for to get the most out of you know what we can do. But I found that I don't know if it's for my time, you know, being an athlete or being in the military, but I have to move my body, physically get outdoors and move my body every day or everything else suffers. Um, and it's not to say that that is a, uh, it's not a, hey, I need to go do a thousand pull-ups every day or I need to go run 25 miles. Sometimes it's just going out and walking around the block and just stretching a little bit, but I just have to move my body. So that's that's what's important for me. And I, I think Andrew has the, has the best quote on this. He says, you know, it's very hard to move the mind with the mind. Um, so, if you you find yourself stuck in a rut or you're having trouble engaging, whatever, actually get up and move your body. Like go do something, get into action, and then and then see where that takes you. Um, it works for me. So, so I, I we kind of got off track there a little bit, but so you uh, so you make the comment. You guys are sitting on a boat on a on a surfing <clears throat> trip. We start made for you. Don't just make a comment and then all of a sudden. Wah! this unbelievable <laughs> water bottle appears and, and all of a sudden you've got this made for program. So if you will, I know timing is, is, is critical and, and all that stuff, but walk us through kind of that process and what it was like to build it. And now you've got happy people like myself that are loving your program. Uh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, I would say the, um, the process is ugly and iterative and not, not, not sexy at all. And, um, yeah, just super messy. I mean, I think we um, we did a session two weeks later where we spent a, a weekend kind of concepting out a bunch of different ideas, and we landed on what would be great to, to to use a kit that we deliver to people every month, so anyone could access the program. And you know, from a business standpoint, we can figure out the unit economics so it allows us to scale uh, as appropriate and um, to serve as many many as many people as possible, but. Then it's like, and we had some, I had some ideas of like, all right, what are some areas that we want to focus on? And we really had a wide aperture, but again, we started bringing on advisors and, and, you know, that, those were some of the funnest, I would say sessions for me is when we had multiple advisors together in a room and we we're talking about, or we have someone's attention. Where do we want to direct that attention so that they're going to see a benefit over time? And how is that going to fit in the context of a larger program? Um, it was just, um, that part was, was a ton of fun, but I mean, I, you know, we worked on this for almost three years. I want to say trying to, you know, flying over to meet with different sourcers and manufacturers and, and trying to figure out like, all right, it's one thing to, um, tell people you want them to focus on hydration. It's another thing to actually write something out that compels someone to like, okay, I'm going to focus on drinking water this month because that's something that everyone thinks they're beyond or past. We engage it a little bit different manner, but um, I don't know. I just, all of the things that we focus on and made for um, on the surface seem very like, well, of course you're doing that, but it's only, it only seems that way looking back when you're actually building this program and you, you're designing it in such a way that again, is effective for people and trying to bring scientists and advisors on, uh, on that journey with you. It's challenging. So. Yeah. What's well, amazing. So where can our listeners find more about made for? 
Yeah. Uh, if you want to learn more about Made4, you can follow us on Instagram at Made4, M-A-D-E-F-O-R. Or if you want to uh, learn a little bit more about the program on our website, you can go to www.getgetmade4.com. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out. If you have any questions, you can you can ping us there. Um, we just recently, this past month, so our full program, um, again, we talked about this earlier, but it's 10 months long. Um, every month you'll get a kit in the mail, has the science tools, steps, and then we wrap around a whole system of support around from two-way texting to weekly and monthly um, video calls to private online communities. We, our, re- sorry to interrupt. Our video call this week was with your buddy, Dirks Bentley. I'm like, holy smokes. So I'm sitting here, <laughs> on, or what, I guess it was Zoom or Instagram, wherever we were at. And when my kids walks in the room, they're like, is that Dirks Bentley? I'm like, yeah, I'm on a Zoom call with them. They're like, what? You know, <laughs> they, them, they thought yeah. that was cool for a minute. Well, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Dirks was our very first member. Um, and he, you know, he good friend, uh, Blake and I's and just wanted to support, but, um, we, uh, he's been, he's been really gracious. And so, yeah, it's, it's fun to bring people like that in and to talk about their journey and and what they're seeing, but, you know, it's cool um, to see like somebody like that because you put him on this pedestal, right? He's Dirks Bentley. He's one of the best country music stars out there you know, all this stuff. And you think he's got the world by the, you know what, but it's like you hear him thinking about journaling and, and drinking water and slowing down and being present and doing all these things that it just made me connect with. I mean, he's, he's worried and focused on the same things I'm focused on. He just happened yeah. to be this massive celebrity, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And we only, and we only see the, the mountaintop peak experiences for him. We don't see the climb and the, you know, the, the journey that he's been on. Um, so we just see him up on stage performing, but yeah, he's a, he's a real person dealing with real life. And I think, you know, that's something that's been really cool for, for us to see is we have members in all 50 States, all different demographics, old, young professional athletes, you know, college graduates, stay at home, you know, parents kind of runs the gamut frontline healthcare workers, but everyone is trying to figure out a way to, um, to navigate a little bit better and to, to, to maintain a growth trajectory and be on a better path. And so it's been fun to see people do that uh, with us. And, and ultimately, and, and you know this uh, from having been a member, is that there's no upsell with Made For. It's the idea is that you do this program and, and then you have what you need, that the tools and the answers are all inside of you. And we just help you connect you know, these small efforts with the, the effects they create in your life, but ultimately you have, you have all the answers. So um, yeah, check us out on our website. What is, the, what is the, I think you're in your forties. So what is the 40 something year old Pat, when you look back at your life, right? You went you went to school, you played sports, the, the Naval Academy, the SEALs work at Google, which is, you know, what a great job to land right at Google. And then you're like, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going to walk away from security. I, what I assume, right. Looking back, I, I assume that there's some security there. There's a paycheck there and yeah. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go do this startup. W- what do you wish you could go back and tell that 30, 35 year old Pat, what, what feedback would you give that guy? Um, wow. Well, I can, I can say the, the feedback I would give my 20 year old self is to enjoy the journey a little bit more to not be so focused on 
suffering through the hardest things that there's actually some fun to be had and to enjoy that. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I, and I, you know, I, I would, and I would say that I'd probably say the same thing to my 30 or 35 year old, maybe even 40 year old self is like, look, every, every day last should, week self, right? That's it. Yeah. Just, just enjoy it. Like find, find ways to enjoy the climb and the navigating the path because look, you know, made for, um, who knows what's going to happen with made for who knows what's going to happen with any of this stuff. Uh, we need to be able to look back on our time and say like, that was worthwhile. That was enjoyable. And I stepped closer towards, you know, the things that I care about. And that's, that's, yeah, that's what was I would say. Scary to step away from Google and follow your dream. Yeah. I, you know, there's no question that, um, Google is a great company to be at, and and it's always hard to leave safety and security um, and step into something that is just so nebulous and uncertain. Um, but I've been I've always been someone that's been driven by mission and purpose uh, in whatever I'm doing, and this mission and the purpose behind this just really mapped well to something that I cared about, and I was excited to I recognized that the effort alone was going to be worth um, worth the price of admission. So, um, yeah, so here we are. Awesome. So last question for you, uh, Pat, I steal your cell phone from you today. What's the one thing that you say I cannot delete and email's not one of them. Cause that's boring. So oh, what can I not delete off of your phone? Cause you gotta have it, man. And you're an analog um, guy. So you're not a big techie guy to my knowledge, uh, from what I can learn from the made for program. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I try not to spend much time on devices. Let's see. What would I say? You can't, Take away. Well, I, maybe um, my one password app because it has all of my <laughs> <laughs> credentials for every login that I'm on. This right. is, I don't have any uh, relationship to one password, but um, yeah, they have all my passwords. And then uh, maybe that's not a fun answer. I don't know. My photo album. I mean, I just, I love hopping on and seeing pictures of uh, my, my girls and stuff. Pretty impactful. The rest of it you can have. I don't really care. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Well, I, I lied. I had one more question. So you got a bucket list item. What's 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 one of the bucket list items you've got maybe that you really want to cross off? It's really important to you. Oh wow. Bucket list item. Um man, I you know, Andrew, um, our our advisor and myself and our, our friend um Gordon are have scheduled um, some free diving training. So uh, I have this vision of, and I don't know if you've ever done any spearfishing, but I've done a little bit of spearfishing on breath holds. And I just think that it is, um, it's, it's just, there's something very cool about going down on a breath hold and submerging and being down for a period of time and having to stock a fish and find a fish and bring it to the surface and, and then eat that fish. And I, I just, I've really enjoyed that. And so I want to try to do that on another level. So Andrew Gordon and I are, are uh, set up some training with a professional freediver. We're going to work on the freediving side of it. And then hopefully um, into next year, do a big um, spearfishing trip where we're the goal is we want to be able to hunt something around 70 feet and then um, bring to the surface all in a breath hold. So wow. that's my next, uh, that's my next thing. <laughs> How long are you holding your breath on that thing? Um, so my static, I mean, look, everything changes. I think when you're on a hunt, my static breath hold is around four minutes, but I think when you're on a, when you're, when you're moving and you're, and you have to really relax your system and um, it's much harder. So 30 seconds can feel like four minutes when you're, <laughs> right. when you're on a dive like that. But that's why we're going to work with some professionals and, and figure this out. But yeah. 
That's I've been doing some of the breathing work like that where I, I'm, I, and I'm always would say like, I'm, I'm about a 30 second guy for holding my breath, but I've got it up to about three and a half, three minutes that's, and 45 seconds. And that's it's, amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. For anyone, for anyone listening, please do not do this behind the wheel of a car in any kind of water. I do, I do all these static breath holds like at my desk, uh, in between (laughs) Zoom meetings. So, (laughs) well, listen, Pat, it's been awesome having you, man. And and we'll put it in the show notes made for, I can vouch for it. I'm in my, this will be my fourth box right here that I'm getting ready to open when we're done here today. It's, it's phenomenal. And I won't share any of the secrets because I think as a, as a, as a member, I think it's kind of fun to get that box. And I have no idea what's inside of there and the little booklets, all the information, the data, it's consumable, it's bite size. And it's, it's, uh, I think easy to use, but yet it's, it's, I mean, it multiplies for long, long, long periods of time, what it's going to do for me. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Brett. I really, uh, really appreciate the time today and thanks for being a member. And um, yeah, I'm just excited for your, for your mission here. And I, I just love this idea that um, we can make a future that's greater than our past. And I know that that's something that you, you bring to life in the podcast and in your, in your professional work. Um, so I believe in it. I think it's awesome. So keep it up. Thanks, thanks for having, Great me. having you. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.